Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast episode 359. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today we're talking all about how to speak up more at work. So, first, I've got a question for you Why do good ideas go left unsaid? This is a question I've asked women in the Bossed Up community for years when we're trying to get to the root of the issue around why so many of us find it hard to speak up and assert ourselves at work, especially as women or marginalized people in majority male and pale environments. So here's what I tend to hear in response to that question when I ask women, why aren't we speaking up more? I hear, well, I used to speak up without hesitation, but I lost my confidence, or I just can't speak freely here, or ever since I worked for that toxic boss, I just don't speak up like I used to, or I just, I I guess I prefer deferring to others first. This concept of slowly losing your confidence or losing your voice as a coming of age sort of rite of passage isn't just a troubling trope for Disney princesses. It's a real phenomenon backed by research. Starting in adolescence, psychologist Deborah Chahansky found that even previously audacious little girls became reticent to weigh in, even when they admitted that they had something really important to say. The girls in her study considered everything from potential embarrassment to backlash before deciding to speak up. And when weighing those risks, they often chose not to speak up at all. Rather than speaking being their default, says Chahansky, not speaking becomes the default. And to speak up when it's important is something that's effortful for them. In other words, it takes intentional effort for young women to speak up when they feel like not speaking becomes the default. This is a really troubling gendered phenomenon called loss of voice, and it continues well into adulthood too. Back in 2020, a viral article at the very start of the pandemic chronicled rising reports from women navigating newly remote workplaces, many of whom found it increasingly difficult to get a word in edgewise. Upon navigating continuous interruption, being spoken over, or simply not being heard by colleagues, even the most outspoken women are liable to toss up their hands in frustration and just sit back with their mute button pressed, right? And if left unchecked, this kind of self-censorship, this habit of choosing to say nothing, can easily become a bad habit that not only holds women back from being heard, but also hurts organizations overall. So what can we do to overcome this tendency and be more audacious, assertive, and forthright when it comes to speaking up at work? First, I implore you to cultivate your inner coach. When deciding whether or not to speak up and contribute to a conversation at work, 
it's easy to think mostly about all the ways that it could go wrong, right? (laughs) What if I sound stupid? What if I don't have all the information? What if I say the wrong thing? All of those concerns, that's your inner critic talking. And let's be real, she's got a point. Your inner critic is just trying to protect you from risk. She's trying to make sure that you don't lose the reputation and credibility that you've worked so hard to gain. She's watching out for missteps and trying to guide you away from the pitfalls that could prevent you from being perceived in a positive light. And that's totally understandable as an act of self-preservation. But here's what your inner critic doesn't take into consideration. What do you risk by not speaking up? What if people love what you have to say? What if the question you ask is the same one everyone in the room has in their heads, but nobody is willing to voice concern? What if your idea that you present is about to get greenlit and takes on a life of its own? Well, our inner critic is, you know, really quick to watch out for potential downsides of speaking up. We've got to have an inner coach reminding us of the upsides at stake too. So if you're working to establish yourself as a thought leader at work, as a creative contributor, and as someone who is engaged in the work at hand, making your voice heard is integral. Even when the stakes feel high, you've got to be in your own corner, cheering yourself on, not just tearing yourself down. So cultivating that inner coach can take time, but is absolutely key. I encourage you to start by literally scripting out some lines to call upon when your inner critic feels like she's driving your decision-making. What's a good comeback that your inner coach can use to keep your inner critic from steamrolling you? You might try something like this. They're paying me to contribute my opinion. Or it doesn't have to be perfect to be powerful. Or I'm not just speaking up for me, I'm speaking up for my clients or my constituents or my students or my colleagues, whomever it is that speaking up and making your voice heard really impacts at the end of the day. Write down these lines that you want to equip your inner coach with on a sticky note or a digital wallpaper somewhere and stick it where you know you'll need it. With intentional effort, your inner critic isn't likely to go away completely, but hopefully they won't be the only voice in your head when considering whether or not to make your voice heard. When the world keeps telling women in subtle and not so subtle ways to sit back and shut up for lack of a better word, you've got to be in your own corner. You've got to have your own back and you've got to be rooting yourself on. And that's why cultivating your inner coach can be so helpful. The second boss tip behind this is to just lower the bar. Lower the bar for yourself. I often find myself repeating this advice that I first heard from a Speak Up program participant here at Bossed Up. She said, give yourself permission to speak in first draft. I love that piece of advice because it's just plain unrealistic to expect that you'll speak with absolute perfection and in final draft form in everyday work conversations. When we hold ourselves to such an unrealistic high standard, we miss the opportunity to respond and engage in conversation in real time. I feel like the moment always passes me by is something I hear from clients and members of the Bossed Up community who are struggling to be heard all the time. While you're busy trying to gather your thoughts and mentally construct the perfect contribution, 
the conversation moves on and in a different direction. And it's a universal frustrating experience that I feel like everyone contends with. But if this happens chronically, you might need to figure out an adaptation to help you lower the bar for yourself so you can go from thinking to speaking with less time that you're sort of internally processing and polishing and perfecting. After all, the most impactful speakers aren't perfect in their remarks either. Think about it. Disruptors, leaders, and speakers of all kinds rarely get it right 100% of the time. I'm thinking of Greta Thunberg, Malala Yousaf, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and even President Barack Obama himself. You know, these are really impactful, powerful speakers who still stumble over their words. They still make verbal missteps. And that's totally normal. It's what makes them sound like human beings and not robots. So watch any of their speeches and you'll see examples of imperfect speech that absolutely still connects with and moves people powerfully. So if you're holding yourself to an impossibly high standard, be aware of the potential downsides of feeling like nothing you have to say is perfect enough or ready for prime time. You know what I mean? Like being perfect is not the goal. Being part of the conversation is. And to dive into dialogue in real time, we have to accept that we're not going to get it 100% right 100% of the time. I know the stakes feel high, especially for non-native English speakers who are operating in an English-dominant environment or for someone who feels like racially or from a class perspective or an educational perspective, you're like representing your entire class of people or your entire community group. But that is so much pressure that you're putting on yourself that it can prevent you from speaking up at all. And that's not the goal. Like you've gotten to this table. I think it was Michelle Obama who said, you know, we've worked so hard to get to the table that we've just been clinging on to it and not shaking it up enough. And so I'm here to implore you to say, I understand the pressure is real because the consequences of being imperfect can be unfairly applied to marginalized community members, but we can't hold ourselves to so high a standard that we never voice our opinions at all because that backfires. My final piece of advice here from sort of the boss tip perspective on speaking up more at work is a practical one. We've already talked a bit about the internal barriers behind speaking up at work, let's talk about the tactical elements of strategic interruption. To make your voice heard, strategic interruption is an art we have got to get more comfortable with. And when I say interruption, I'm not talking about an act that necessarily needs to be seen as rude or harsh or confrontational. I'm simply talking about the reality of making your voice heard in a conversation, even when others are not explicitly making space for you to do so. Sometimes you need to wedge your way in and make your own space. (laughs) If you think about it, interruption in and of itself isn't necessarily rude. In fact, you know, when you're speaking on the phone to a bestie, you probably interrupt each other constantly. But what makes it feel risky at work isn't about the interruption itself. It's about the power dynamics at play, like who it is that you're trying to interrupt and who it is that you want to add to the conversation with. 
and your desire to stay on that person's good side, which is totally understandable. Like you want to stay on your boss's good side, but you also have got to cut them off if you're going to get your voice heard. And so that's what makes this a little challenging. So when you're internally weighing the pros and cons, you're weighing the risks of speaking up or staying silent, and you have decided, you've mindfully decided in that moment that it is worth it to make my voice heard because the risk of staying silent on this is too high. Here are a few simple strategies that can really help you when it comes to creating an audio wedge to get your voice heard. So the first strategy that I use almost constantly, like almost every day on calls with clients and colleagues alike, is to say their name. So if Selena has been talking and I have to interrupt Selena to make sure I get a point across, I might say, Selena, before we move on, I wanted to loop back on the data so we can double check that we're on the same page. Or Selena or Anna, I want to make sure we have what we need before we head downstairs to record this podcast, right? Whatever the person's name is, use their name as almost like a signal to get their attention and to stop them from just continuing down the verbal path that they've wandered down. The second strategy is just to raise your volume. This is especially key for the virtual workplace because a lot of software like Zoom video meeting software or Microsoft Teams, it's designed in such a way that if they think you dropped your pen on your desk, the microphone is not going to mic you up. They don't want to create software that automatically hands you the floor if there was just a loud noise in the background at your home office. So sometimes you have to create multiple sounds or just raise your volume in order to show the software that you are in fact talking. So if you say, excuse me, and nobody stops talking and everyone else just keeps talking and nobody hears you, don't expect for them to seed the floor. Don't expect for the software to give you the mic. So Really, truly, we have to be willing to raise our volume and say, excuse me, excuse me, or have we considered the data? Have we considered going back to the data to make sure that we're on the same page? It sounds silly, and it can certainly be uncomfortable if you are more of a soft-spoken person who prides himself on being, you know, non-confrontational and you know, it's a cultural norm, either in your part of the world or just in your family to not raise your voice. Sometimes we have to raise our voice to literally make our voices heard. So I would just say, don't rule it out universally. Don't rule it out as an option that will never work for you. Give it a try, especially if you're struggling to be heard on virtual meeting software. And then the final strategy here is just to repeat as necessary. (laughs) You know, they call this the broken record response, and it's so helpful. If you are in the middle of a meeting and you're saying, look, I'm concerned that we're missing the patient's perspective on this issue, but nobody stops talking and that there's a brainstorm going on and people are excited and engaged and you're working with a ton of outspoken people who are just yammering away. You got to sometimes just become the broken record. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that we're missing the patient perspective here. So repeating yourself, repeating yourself with increased volume. And if you want to combine all three of these strategies, repeating yourself with increasing volume with that person's name, whose attention you're trying to solicit. Those three strategies can be mixed and matched to great effect and help you get your message across if you continuously find yourself being steamrolled over. 
Now, if interrupting like this feels more assertive than you're used to, I encourage you to think about how you can use the rest of your body language to sort of balance out that assertiveness with more warmth and friendliness. So, you know, keep the rest of your body language as non-confrontational as possible to balance out the reality that what you're saying is more assertive than what you might be used to. So take a deep breath, try to keep a smile on your face while you do this and maintain open, positive body language. When you're being verbally assertive, if you can be physically open, friendly, non-threatening as best you can, it can help sort of make sure that you're perceived in a way that is still warm while also being assertive and, and expressing your competence. Getting more comfortable with navigating this tricky tightrope takes practice, especially in a world that does not view assertive women or assertive people of color with a very fair lens in particular. So recognize that if you have historically conditioned everyone around you to expect you to stay quiet, to just sit back, to not assert yourself, that changing your behavior here might ruffle a few feathers. But even if your face turns beet red and you find yourself in a full body sweat the first few times that you dare to interject and make your voice heard, don't lose sight of the big picture here. You're retraining your brain and you're reconditioning everyone around you to help you show up more fully at work, to contribute fully, you know, and bring your full self and your full mental capacity to the conversation and to the table. I personally very much want to live in a world where more women feel entitled to being heard in this way, where more women of color's ideas see the light of day and where more non-binary voices are considered alongside the same crusty, dusty ideas that have long been presented by the loudest voices in the room. So while allies and leaders can absolutely do more to create psychologically safe workplaces where everyone feels comfortable speaking up and where every voice is given equal airtime, I also hope that you can be your own biggest champion in making your voice heard while we wait for that future reality to become the norm. So if you put these ideas and concepts and strategies into practice to help speak up at work yourself, I'd love to hear from you. Keep the conversation going with us in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. There's a link in today's show notes. And share your experiences with how applying these strategies is going for you. And if you like what we talked about here today, this is a snippet of what we cover in my more comprehensive eight-week-long program for assertive communication, Speak Up. So join us for the next Speak Up program coming up soon for women who want to master the art of owning your voice and really speaking up like a boss. You can learn more in the links in today's show notes. And until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.